1: I've got so much respect for the sea now. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a changing environment all the time. I mean, I, I, I have so much respect for it. I thought if I ever get fall into the sea, I'd say, I'll be fine. I'd say, the sea is, is so unpredictable. Mm. You know, please, anyone listening, respect the sea. It is such a dangerous thing. Graham Sunest there, telling you why you really should be respecting the sea after he swam the channel for Cherry. Good on him. Uh,
2: ever going to swim the channel, Dale? Uh, who knows? One day, maybe?
1: Oh, it seems a lot of work, doesn't it? Seems a lot of effort. Yeah,
2: but the reward. Imagine being able to like be a person that can say, I've swam the channel. Have you swam the channel, Matt?
3: <laughs> no, I've got, uh, I'm not as fearful of deep sea creatures as Emma is. <laughs> but my respect for the sea does predominantly come from my fear of it. All okay, right. fair
1: enough. That's 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 wise. Um, I used to go swimming all the time. It's last time we went to a swimming pool. Uh,
2: People about go to four swimming pools, pools anymore? Uh, really? Yeah. We have got a Lido yeah. in in Reading. It's nice
1: hot day for it. That does sound lovely. Mm. Um, all the weather's been warm, but let's not linger on that because it's dull. Um, this is the i j UK podcast where we're going to talk about. All sorts of things this week. Uh, we've got a little bit of Secret Invasion talk going on. Not a lot. But a bit. <laughs> because mainly all this week we've been playing Final Fantasy 16. And for you two lads, you've been playing it for a couple of weeks. Um, I've nearly finished Final Fantasy 16. I'm right near the end. You two have finished it though. And we have some, I think we have some mixed thoughts on the game. It's been getting universal acclaim. And I, I think I'm at the more positive end of our spectrum. Not that you two guys don't like it. I should say that you both think it's a good game. Mm-hmm. Flat, I think I'm slightly low. higher yeah. on it than you guys. Um let's start about what we like about Final Fantasy sixteen, which there is quite a lot to like, I think. Um namely I think I think we've got to start with the combat because we've talked about the combat before when we've done previews. Both me and you Matt have done previews of this game and the combat's always been the standout thing Mm -hmm. and I don't think that really lets itself down in the full game either. It takes a while, I think, to get to where I thought it would Um, But Mm -hmm. now I'm near the end game, I think like this, I literally, I I can't stop playing because I just want to enjoy this combat so
3: much. Yeah, I think one of the things that kind of like when I did the preview back in February, I think it was, um, for combat purposes, they put me in what, for any of you guys that have actually already started playing Final Fantasy, the the section that comes like after the demo effectively is where Mm -hmm. I played. But I'd got a full suite of icon abilities for that demo and so i was seeing it at its full potential and it takes a lot longer in the main game to get to the point where you have three icons that that uh, clive has access to and obviously it's only when you get three icons that each have their own unique powers that you get to the point where you can learn how to juggle between each one of those three and use each of their unique abilities and find out where kind of like you can create interesting chains Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes quite a while to get to that point. I'm surprised at how slow it is to deliver those. And then you almost go through a flurry where you get a few quite quickly, mm-hmm. and then it makes you wait to get like the last couple. Um, but when it is at full potential and it's in the right combat encounters, I think the, the, the combat is very, very strong and, and very enjoyable. It's maybe not as deep as what a turn-based combat could be, and it's not as deep as a full action game could be. But I think it kind of hits like an interesting sweet spot. I quite yeah. like that. I, 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 I love it. I think there's, there's,
2: um, like, I definitely agree with you. I, I think it's it's not as deep as it I wanted it to be. However, I would say the variety in moves is like fantastic. And yeah. they, mm-hmm. the game does two amazing things that really encourage you to experiment and try new, new combinations, which is one that it can um, at any point let you reset your points, yeah. not just overall, but also mm-hmm. for individual things. Mm-hmm. So you can say, oh, I've tried this ability. I actually don't like this one and I want to try this one. I can just take, refund claim, it. refund those yeah. points and put it over here. I swapped things around so many times. Yeah, me and then, too. And another amazing thing, you can only load two abilities per icon. However, once you master an ability, you can then switch them around onto other icons. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really nice because there were several abilities where I felt like, oh, uh, the um, the ifry ability and the Garuda ability would work really well, complement really well together. And instead of having to swap through on the fly, yeah. I could now put them on the same yeah. compartment.
1: Mm-hmm. I've got a perfect combo for this. layer I've had so I've used one of the Garuda abilities, which sends people up in the air, and then I use another ability, which I'm not going to reveal like all the icons yet because it might be spoilers some people. But there's a ability where you can smash down into the floor, mm-hmm. and those combo yeah. nicely together if you have them. On the same icon, and yeah, I've just got a lovely combo going now where I basically use Garuda and another icon to take all the stun meter uh, Mm -hmm. bar down, and then I have my damage ones on another icon, and it's just I think I just loved working that out so much.
2: I think by like end game and like you know towards the end of the game and for post game stuff, I'd already I'd got this sort of layout of six abilities. And one of them would be my massive stun one. One of them would be my massive damage one. And then four of them would be ones that I rotate, which are like quick hits or, you know, pulling people closer. And then also there's the, um, well, it's not passive, but there's the extra ability on the circle button yeah. for, like, like what you can one. do. And some yeah. And they have such different effects. And sometimes uh some of them are not like suited to my playstyle, so i would desperate but i I want those abilities so i would pull those a bit master those abilities and then pull them onto another icon as well Mm -hmm. and like like yeah for example the phoenix ability is is like the you know the quick dash towards your your opponent it's like easily for me the most useful one and i always made sure i had that available um Mm -hmm. but then like shiva's uh one was really useful as well and you know it's it's interesting, like, you've got all these things to experiment to build your perfect loadout, basically. And I, I think they've yeah. done an excellent job there.
3: I think they did such a good job of making each one of the icons kind of sets feel very distinct. Mm. Like, they, they're they clearly built around the legacy of these characters. You know, each of their... To, to give kind of a basic, you have kind of three core abilities that you can kind of choose from. But then they have what I guess you call their ultimate version Mm -hmm. of what they can do, which is sort of based on the big attack that they've done in previous Final Fantasy. So, for example, Shiva's is diamond dust. Mm -hmm. And, like, being able to work around, like, I'd always let myself have one of those. Like, it was like, out of my three icons, one of them's going to get their big one, so choosing kind of that but also they they're not just big oh they do a lot of damage instantly each one of those is so different phoenix is as you guess like has a health regeneration property to it because phoenix rising from the ashes but others have completely different variations some of them are very like big single target damage others Mm -hmm. are about like wiping clean a shitload of enemies yeah and the fact that each one of them felt so kind of thematically correct to the legacy of those summons and also provided very different gameplay techniques. I think I think it's a it's a really strong combat suite yeah. they've built there. Yeah. I mean, so yeah.
2: Diamond does what you just mentioned. Was is my stun move? Yeah, like mm-hmm. I use that as my yeah, massive yeah. stun move. I'm using that all the time. And then yeah. I'm a big, big uh, fan and supporter of Giga Flare as well. It's mm-hmm. like my massive attack move because it also gives you about five seconds where you can just relax in, yeah. in the middle of a battle. I, as I feel well.
1: like we're running similar things here. Yeah, I have a uh, I have each. Of my three have their ultimate unlocked so mm. i'm running but i also use the accessories that really reduces the cooldown on some of those as well yeah. so mm-hmm. i'm just there is actually you know i feel like this is like a very good action game yeah. i think and i think we'll talk about it later it's not necessarily a great rpg which is what you'd maybe come to expect mm-hmm. from the final fantasy series but there are elements like that where you're juggling the accessories and the abilities where it does feel most like an RPG, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have quite the... You know, you don't have a whole party, but
3: you kind of do have a party within well, you a little bit. Yeah, but like... I, th- I think that's the... I think I've said on a previous podcast before that yeah. the switching between the icons is the closest this gets to in Final Fantasy VII Remake, the switching mm-hmm. between the party members, because obviously yeah. Barrett is long range, Tifa is kind of like close, quick hits... And you can kind of build that a little bit into your icons, right? You can say like, oh, Ramu, because he's the one that can summon lightning and his special move is firing orbs of lightning. If yeah. I need to be at range, I can swap to him and be quite effective. But if I really want to be up close, you know, kind of like the the more kind of big fisty kind of icons are, are much more appropriate for that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of the party in it. It does put party members in with you. They're mostly there for decoration rather than actually yeah. being useful kind of side um, characters.
2: It definitely leads to like, I'm not going to talk about it right now because we're talking about nice things, but it definitely leads to one of my complaints about the, the party aspect of it. But I suppose uh, Torgle is is essentially mm-hmm. a second party member. Like you yeah. control him to a certain degree. Um, and I yeah, I well, you know, we're talking about nice things. Let's, yeah. We'll get back to well, this. Well, let's
1: game. stick to icons. I think the standout things in this game are... The massive battles, whether they're against smaller bosses or the massive icons, and we've spoken about it before, the, the the scale of spectacle to these fights are, I think, at this point, I will say, unlike anything I've seen in a game. Like normally, the benchmark for me it was like you know the scale of Shadow of the Colossus or like early God of War, but mm-hmm. I think like this just blows those out of the water sometimes. And I know you guys think sometimes maybe they go on a little too long, uh, uh, but yeah. I think I can't personally get enough of them. And I would play them for an hour straight. I if definitely
2: I think they're in a positive sense. They're amazing highs to the game that I would always look forward to because it's mm-hmm. always telegraphed like who you're going to be coming up with because yeah. you be you're targeted to a region and you know who the dominant in that region is. So you always know. Okay, that I'm probably gonna have a battle with Titan at some point coming up soon. And the excitement building up to that and then the reveal of how that is that battle is going to take place. The music
1: in that one yeah. in particular, fantastic. Whoa, <laughs> I
2: disagree there. But, like, <laughs> I <love> uh, <laughs> but huge, huge like spectacles that you could like build towards and it felt mm-hmm. like a payoff to a chapter, even though they're not called chapters, they always mm-hmm. feel like a payoff to a chapter, like yeah. this huge spectacle yeah. at the end. And I'm, b- I'm massively into that idea of, you know, of that pacing structure. I don't necessarily yeah. think they did it that well, but like I, I like the idea of
1: it. It is mm-hmm. definitely structured like chapter-wise. Like I'm sure we'll mention it later. Very influenced by Game of Thrones, and they can't, it kind—it does mm-hmm. almost feel like seasons of a yeah. show at mm-hmm. times, but not as quite as clearly. Well, seasons with end
2: bosses, that. doesn't it? it feels yeah. Like yeah. It. So more mm-hmm. video gamey, like yeah. you know, like
1: but in a way, I th- just the fights. And do you know what? Fair play as well. Like this game has been like completely bug-free for me. No crap. Like. The way the amount going on screen as well, and for no like stutter at all. Like, I'm oh, playing really? this in performance mode. It's, it, I'm, for me, it's been like smooth oh, as like, anything.
2: The set, like, the final third of the game for me, there was massive frame drops, like, really? quite a lot. Sometimes where been, I had to reload the game to make it settle a bit.
1: Oh, mine's been lovely. But um, that leads me on to the music as well. The, I think the music and the main battle theme as well, where it like goes from like quite action. um. Actiony music, I suppose, to then the actual like string segments, yeah. it's just beautiful. Like, I the music in this game has blown me away as well. Like, just the presentation of this game. Well, sure, we talk about story. I think that it's a very strong story. Um, it's kept me engaged. I don't 100% you know, it's gone in a direction I didn't necessarily want it to, but I'm still enjoying it. Um, it's, it's, very, and, it's
3: very much a Final Fantasy story in like, yeah. it's. I kind of see this as almost a Final Fantasy that's trying in both ways to look to the future as well as it looks to the past. And in terms of its looking to the past, it goes obviously for almost like it obviously has a lot of this gritty kind of Game of Thrones influence kind of visual palette to it and does use an awful lot of salty language and there's nudity and stuff like Ooh, that. There's a lot of swearing. But <laughs> it going nudity, back, man. yeah, <laughs> it going back to the, um, sort of like medieval fantasy of the early ones, very heavy crystal kind of like mythology elements to it. Mm -hmm. Um, All of that feels like it's looking very back towards the original series and the way that that storyline gives way for the more kind of supernatural things as it progresses into its finale. I do think it's kind of like a hat tip to those earliest days of Final Fantasy whilst the actual combat and what you do sort of things... yeah is looking more towards a, a future for itself.
2: Definitely agree. Like, and even like, I, I'm not massively okay with the earlier Final Fantasies, but it reminded me in terms of story structure of Final Fantasy IX in, in quite mm-hmm. a lot of respects. Yeah. How, and,
3: you, and, and twelve, that kind yeah. of. How it just sort place. of, you know, it, it,
2: yeah, we've got this medieval world that we're building around and it's all about conflict between the, you know, the, all the regions and mm-hmm. all the plants, but then, then there's the second half of the game or maybe the final third of the game takes it into weirder territory where it just yeah. al- almost forgets all that stuff that's gone before mm-hmm. and it's mainly focused on this. And like, yeah, Final Fantasy IX is probably even like, yeah. if you haven't played it, it's bizarrer than <laughs> this one is. But um, yeah, there, there's, there's definitely a lot of that. Like something I do want to talk about positively is uh, the characters um, mm-hmm. because I think there's I think there's a lot of Dwarf characters, but I think a, the, the main like, three or four i think i do think very good yeah i think it's some of their strongest characters in yeah. a long time to be honest probably probably since 10 maybe mm-hmm. for me like um i think like can you on like, the characters in final fantasy 15 they might as well all be the same person just so boring and dull whereas i think genuinely clive is like a fun guy to sort of support and root for i mean uh, there's a feature coming out soon next week about his comparison to Game of Thrones he is basically Jon Snow but also I love Jon Snow as well yeah. I think it's a really good character <laughs> idea and, a, and yeah. someone you can root for I think
1: his and Jill's relationship is quite good throughout I, I think like it, it sucks do you not?
3: Yeah, no, really? I disagree yeah. with that I quite yeah. like, I like Jill yeah, we'll leave it for later but I don't think Jill is a very good character I think I think this this character does much better by it sorry, this game mm-hmm. does much better by its male characters. Yeah. I think Clive and Sid are, are really strong. I think, think Dion I mean really you won't meet her well. for a while if
1: you don't just start like the game, but this character called Mid. I love Mid. Do you I like Mid? I fucking hate Mid.
2: Are you serious? What? You like Ms. her? I like Mid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she she's was fun. like really put me off the game for a long time. Really? Oh,
1: I think she's fun. She's just um, But like I go. think
2: Dion is a really good character, and I think his mm-hmm. his story arc is really good. And he's one of the main reasons that I'm disappointed. That this game is not a traditional Final Fantasy party system, because I would like him to be in my party. He feels like a traditional Final Fantasy character that you would have in your mm-hmm. party and players. Yeah, and um, yeah, Dion this, is very. Good. I
1: do like that side of the story a lot. Um yeah. I don't. We're not going to spoil anything, but there's other characters that I think are, are really interesting. And I think uh, in
3: terms of kind of like where those characters lead, like obviously a big part of this story is the idea that there are multiple kind of warring kingdoms. Uh, And each one has this thing called a dominant, which is their nuclear deterrent, basically. Mm. And I think the way that it kind of deals with how each of these kingdoms, you know, it's the intersection between story and lore, right? And I think the way that each of those dominants is treated in each of their regions is really interesting. And I think they do a good job of whether it's on a shallow form, which, you know, kind of, um, I'd say kind of the the dominant uh, that's Hugo Kupka who who can turn into Titan I think his story is less compelling mm-hmm. much more drawn in in tropes yes. but I think kind of like he's just a bit of a meathead potato face man isn't he? yeah but whereas <laughs> kind of like I think the way that kind of it treats Dion as a dominant for the Holy Emperor mm-hmm. Empire of Sanbrac I think he's got a lot more going on to him because he's more forward centric in the yeah. story but even the ones that are drawn in more kind of broad strokes. I think show you really interesting things about these kingdoms so the way that they they treat the concept yeah. of massive monsters being their main kind of like war deterrent and what their approach to magic is and all of that supernatural. I think it does this really well. And yes, as we'll come to, there's a lot of Game of Thrones comparisons here, but I think it takes that influence and creates one of the more compelling kind of like settings for a Final Fantasy game. I spent the... there's in this game, you can go to two characters. One is like the Keeper of Law, who has all of these like books, basically, that you can read synopsis versions of. And then there's uh, a woman called uh, Valerie, Vivian? is it? Vivian, yeah. Vivian. Yeah. Who, she is kind of like the history scholar. And she has like a table that you can go to that has a map of the world and a timeline at the bottom. And you can scrub through that timeline for every year and every month in the year that this game has events that take place in and being able to watch kind of like all of these characters move across this map and see like the the movements of armies and stuff like that i thought all of that was super compelling because that was a thing that i loved about game of thrones just reading the histories it's a thing that i love about like a lot mm. of other things i'm into i love knowing the historical perspective on those worlds and so i think in terms of creating an immersive world that genuinely feels like it has history and place and meaning i think it's one of the more successful final fantasies
2: definitely agree with that and um i think it does an excellent job of mirroring game of friends in that idea when you first start with the book or the show you don't really know who everybody is you're kind of just taking it at face value and it's uh, i found it, it with this game and with game of friends it's only when you're substantially way through then you go back and you see things yeah. and you understand it a little bit more and this uh has an excellent device like you said before major missions you'll get called to go speak to Vivian and she'll give you like a state of state of the world like mm-hmm. what who is who's where who's what who wants to do what and at any time obviously you can pause it and look through this what do they call the system active timeline time law oh, yeah. mm-hmm. one of like seriously one of the best features in a game that i've seen in a long time that all games that are heavy and dense the story should have i think the ability to pause and just Say, wait, what is this about? And then instead of having to go to Wikipedia and type it in or something, you can just see it right in the game. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. I it-
1: think people will, like who haven't played this game will be kind of going, oh, it's just you've seen a fantasy thing and you're going, oh, it's like Game of Thrones. But Emma and my, in my previous, I even wrote, like, these are well, you know, I'm, these are tired references at these point. Just go, oh, it's like Game of Thrones. This game really, and we'll, get, well, we'll keep saying we'll get to this. They really are. They've watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, they've said it as well. Yeah. Like, it's not like it's no they've bad, tried they to hide it. I wouldn't say they've like
3: they haven't won someone, quite, but they've just taken quite you know quite a lot of the tropes. It's, it's and not the quiet. same story, but um, no. the way I've described it to to my partner when she was asking what it is is, if Game of Thrones is like a really fucking good hamburger then Final Fantasy XVI is the Philly cheesesteak. Like, it has a lot of the <laughs> same ingredients, but they're kind of remixed in a different form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I,
1: I do like a Philly cheese.
3: Yeah, steak. yeah, but mm. that's the thing, right? They're two good dishes. Yeah, but yeah. I think you can tell a lot of what is in Final Fantasy XVI. It's not just influenced. There is a lot of the same ingredients um, yeah, yeah, to yeah. the point where... There were several times, several times where I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. It's like, mm-hmm. could you not have been inspired by that rather than taking it yeah, yeah. and just putting a different costume? Like, on it? We can
1: yeah. well, let's 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 segue onto some of the things we don't like as much. Like I do, like I said, I think this is like a fantastic action game. And like, if you did take out about ten hours of fetch quests, I think there's Ooh. like a really brilliant action game Well, I think there like like should have been 20 game.
3: I think there should have been a 20 25 yeah, hour yeah, action yeah. game rather than and I know Dale that you only played about 30 hours of it to finish it which yeah. suggests that it can be closer to that but I think there's it is not RPG enough to no. to 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 support the concept of, like, this ultimately 70-hour RPG that yeah. it can be. Yeah. It's, it's, it should have been a much tighter action game, that's, basically. That's the problem. Like, when it is just a st- re- a devil may cry of a
1: really compelling story, I think it's brilliant. And when it's trying to be an RPG, is actually where it Definitely. falls down. So we can talk about that. Like, should we talk about the amount of times you just asked to go fetch, like, nuts from a market or something? And it's not
2: even like, <laughs> it's not even like oh, teach somebody how to do side quests. Like, because the no. opening side quest is, like, practically is very insulting. Yeah. But... It's it's two thirds into the game and it's still somebody's like, Can you go collect this for me? And you're like, I'm your boss. Like, yeah. can't we can someone else do this? Th- this is a, ridiculous.
3: There's a bit at I think it was sixty-five between sixty five and seventy percent of the way through the main quest, where you are asked to go and get some sand, where you go to a <laughs> beach yeah. and all there is is five sparkling locations on the sand that you just go up and hold down X and you pick up sand that is not even obviously different to any other sand on the beach and then you just take that back and that's a main quest this is not a side quest (laughs) that's a main quest it then asks you to go to the market and buy garlic and nuts it's like why am I doing this a I don't know why they've added those lols I don't know if they felt the need to pad
1: it out but just cut that out and you make it better
2: so I said earlier about the pacing I genuinely think I think the idea of pacing is great but the execution is terrible because they've plotted out on paper we're like okay we've got uh, dominant battle dominant icon battle icon battle in between we need to slow down the pace and we need peaks and troughs but mm. the peaks are so high and the troughs are so low and you come off a huge spectacle where you fought in a dominant and then it's like then you got to do fetch quests for an hour afterwards.
1: Yeah. My favourite is like I think it's only like it's probably like five or six hours in the story where you have to help Basically, someone fix
3: a bridge that you can easily just jump across. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I funny. measured it. I, so, so the, the the gap in the bridge once yeah. they'd fixed it, and I was able to then push the Phoenix launch button to turn it across. It was exactly the length of Clive's standard Phoenix like dodge button.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Well, maybe the rest of the party can't get across. Maybe Tor. Well, Torgle can definitely make the jump. I would out
2: say as well, with all these like, side quests, the quest givers usually are just not are not very good characters and not compelling in the slightest. Mm-hmm. As well, like mm-hmm. there's a character. I think th- it's it's early enough. Arm um, called Martha, who like dishes out a lot of quests. Mm-hmm. She's just like just dull. Yeah, <laughs> the thing this is, is,
1: like, is they they kind of tease out an interest interesting going on in that place, but as far as I know, it never fully go through with it. There is there's,
2: like yeah. si- uh, side quests per like, region that sort of wrap up yeah. the regions mm-hmm. like you solve okay. all their problems um, but honestly at that point I kind of checked out side quests and I was skipping a lot of the dialogue of them because I just thought it was dull.
3: Like, there's, there's a feeling that they've looked at games whether they've looked at the witch of three or they've looked at games similar to what cd projects have made in that region where they're like okay every side quest character has to have a narrative because it's that narrative that makes the more basic execution Mm -hmm. that you're going to ask them to do makes it compelling for for the player but all of the characters have got so much to say, but actually, li- there's, there's next to none of it that's actually mm. interesting. Or so much of it is trapped in trope to such an extent yeah. that it just feels like that you're 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 playing a fantasy RPG from 25 years ago, or well, more than that. Because I'd say that I think Final Fantasy VII has much more compelling side characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thankful thing is like you don't actually
1: have to do any or many of the side quests. No, the only no. ones I'd recommend are the ones that have little pluses yeah, on them, definitely, mm-hmm. where do they that. actually increase, like, how many potions you can hold or something like that. But because um, you don't... And this is something I'm actually thankful for, because it's where I normally check out a Final Fantasy games, is there's no need to grind at all in this game, because it never really... There's bits that are kind of challenging, some of the boss fights, but, like, never are you really in trouble, I'd say. And, like, you don't need to grind. And that's normally... I got, like... 75% into Final Fantasy X. I was like, I know I'm now going to have to do about four hours yeah, of grinding yeah. mm-hmm. to be a and I was like, I don't have time for this. I definitely think
2: um, if you do do side quests, though, like I was doing, I was doing quite a lot as I went, it makes the game very easy. Like, yeah. I didn't have any challenge whatsoever with that game. And because I felt like I was always about three or four levels over mm-hmm. what i probably should be it doesn't recommend you levels but i could always tell when i was like steamrolling people i was like, i think i think i'm probably a bit overleveled for this so if anything it's more generous the other way i'd say mm-hmm.
3: yeah the other never- thing that it does is because it's much more of an action game than a, an rpg there's no need to have like a a, a, there's no potion economy so they've done a dark soul style system which is where you always have a bag with a bunch of potions and high potions in it and essentially you can go out and buy potions to refill it but if you just die and reload the checkpoint it will automatically refill that bag again so basically because
1: like i'm not trying to show off it i've literally not died yeah, like in the, and so I think you know. I
2: I didn't know that for a long time until mm-hmm. I died. But when I saw that, I thought, oh, they really want me to get through this story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it feels
3: like. So I remember kind of like there's a, there's a bit fairly early on in Final Fantasy IX where the party splits and you end up having to take a party that doesn't have a healer mm-hmm. into quite a tough dungeon. And I can remember having to grind a lot, not to increase the stats of my party but to get enough money to be able to buy enough potions to get through that boss you're never going to have this problem in this game because a a lot of bosses have mid-boss checkpoints so that you can start midway through the fight and B, mm-hmm. every time you're just going to have a refill on all your potions. So there's there's never any need to be like, oh, I've got to have 99 potions to go in against the last boss. You can only ever take a very limited amount of potions in it. Yeah. And they'll always get refilled for you. So it's a very different way yeah. of approaching party health mm-hmm. management. Well, well, let's, let's, let's talk...
2: I would About say though there's one there's one situation where that doesn't apply, which is the the hunts. So there's like thirty two mm-hmm. hunts that you can do in the game. Sure. And most of them are a cakewalk, but there's a few S tier ones that a little bit tricky, like took a few goes, and when you die for them, you don't respawn in the battle, you respawn yeah. at the nearest obelisk, which is like a yeah. sort of checkpoint. Um and they're so they're the ones where you do want to go and stock up on potions yeah. mm-hmm. and stuff beforehand.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um Let's just go back to the pikes. I know there are some characters we're not as keen on, maybe, but obviously we're not spoiling. Trying our best here to not spoil anything. Um, I want to clarify what I think about Jill. I want to think. I want to say that I like her character and I like her voice performance a lot. But I do agree the story doesn't necessarily do her justice because the point I'm at anyway. She's not uh, sidelines, maybe the wrong word, but kind of. Just-
2: yeah.
3: She's almost um a charming MacGuffin. She yeah, never.
2: I- Sorry, go on, Matt.
3: No, I was just about to say that I think Final Fantasy historically has had like a very good track record with writing quite compelling uh, women characters and particularly through the PlayStation 1 era kind of like Tifa and Aerith are beloved mm-hmm. by this community. I like Lightning. Um, okay. I mean, you, you can write <laughs> like Lightning if yeah. you want. Um, but then kind of like, you know, there are characters in Final Fantasy 8 and Final Fantasy 9, particularly with Dagger. Dagger is a really interesting kind of female character. And I think as of late, that Final Fantasy has kind of forgotten its legacy in regards to really good women characters. I think that comes in with Jill. Jill just feels like she's there to be quiet and support Clive. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I think kind of like that's a, that, I just think it's bad character design. I think there's some really sweet things about her. And there are, it's not that I hated her and was sat in there thinking, what an injustice. But I think when I consider how high final fantasy has been with supporting characters of both genders you know of all genders um this i just i thought she was just a quite a weak character that didn't really feel there to actually have a true mm-hmm. genuine arc of her own
2: yeah i've I definitely... kind
3: of liked i've liked all the villains i've come across i will say that like they've all had i think
1: something different to offer um, i think
2: i think in terms of like presentation yes but they are very, like, silly sometimes. Like, uh, like Benedicta is someone we've seen in all the press material, and I do think she's a very moustache-twirling mush- villain, mm-hmm. like evil I, cackle sort I of.
1: I think like. I'm more relating to the kind of the Dion side of things and what happens with that whole story. I think Dion story, is fantastic.
2: Like- He's like literally my second favourite character in this game. Um, mm-hmm. But with back to Jill, I will say, um, it definitely felt like, yeah, she was just... A party member that needed to be included because Clive needed someone to chat to, mm-hmm. and I never felt they, they they sort of they have an an attempt of her side story, which is kind of like brushed aside very quickly. Yeah, but I never felt I try not to spoil it, but I never felt there was anything with conflict with her with with Clive and our other characters. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like in any great story you need you need to have if you've got it's a, if it's a story about multiple people there needs to be conflict between them and yeah. they need to resolve their issues at some point point. Mm-hmm. and then at any point she was just completely willing to go along with whatever clive wants to do and maybe yeah. i'm just
1: maybe i'm just clouded by the fact she's played by Susanna Wilding. from yeah
2: and as mad Partridge. right okay. <laughs>
3: maybe that's just me in my head going i want i love this character yeah. and make no mistake um, she she does she does have a, there is an arc built into yeah. her i just think it feels kind of shallow and without the impact of what clive mm-hmm. gets uh, you know kind of clive yeah. and sid gets like an interesting i know arc. what you mean like you're almost made
1: to believe she's builders almost like secondly but whereas in fact there's probably 10 other characters that have more
2: interesting you just, things you going just going don't on. believe that she has her own independent thoughts i yeah. just think she just whatever clive says i'll do and i agree with but you, mm-hmm. she's never making she never feels like she's making her own decisions apart from that one small yeah. little section.
1: Um We've kind of talked about it a lot. Do you just want to talk about, without spoiling, of course, some of the more blatant Game of Thrones things sure. going on? Um, um, well, we said where Clive do you want to start? We
2: said Clive <laughs> is Jon Snow and there's like so many comparisons with that. Um Honestly, some of them are spoilery and also I will yeah. say um on Monday, I believe, we're, we're putting out a video and an article about all the comparisons that we found and there is a lot of them. So once you've, um perhaps if you don't care or when you finish yeah. a game, check I those mean, out. I mean, even
1: just like what, the three main, like, regions in the game? They're pretty much the three main regions from Game of Thrones, Well, right? here's his,
2: his one I can say, I feel like, and okay. it doesn't spoil it. There is a section called the Iron Kingdom, which is on the west of the map, and it homes <laughs> it houses uh, people that call themselves the Iron Blood, which sounds very much like the Iron Islands, which has the Ironborn in them. And it's just like, there's lots of things like that that are just really close and just really too much on the nose. There's a lot of things in there, I think, I can absolutely see that because they, they the whole team was tasked with watching all of Game of Friends, I can actually see subconsciously bleeding through that like they maybe didn't intend it to be a Game of Friends rip off, it just happened because they it was so programmed mm. in their brain. Um but they're like the entire Rossville family, like are just like the Starks. Basically they're, there's lots of similarities with the Starks going on.
1: Like I there. said, there's some things we can't spoil, like some villains that are just they just look like villain like we can talk about this later it's crazy and
2: there is there is two examples in my head i won't say i say but they are just like that is just an exact copy of something of a storyline bit like that is just so flagrant like how did you not think that that Mm -hmm. was a ripoff
1: yeah and i know that like wolves and dogs are like very commonplace in like fantasy and medieval fantasy but like Toggle is just ghost. His oh, backstory is ghost. That's
2: one of the things I was alluding to. His backstory is ghost. Like, yeah. the exact same. It's but, crazy.
1: But, <laughs> yeah. We, we won't, no, maybe, I don't know if we'll ever have a spoiler chat about this game. But if we do, we can properly uh, properly go into it. I'd, lo- bit, I'd yeah. like to
2: do a spoiler chat, to be honest. Because I think there's some interesting ideas and things going on in the final third of the game. Uh, but also not without uh, flaws and things to, to yeah, like, yeah. pull so up. So i actually, maybe in a week or two you know, can.
3: I really I quite like the way that this this story wraps up like I think it's got some really interesting in its more grander properly fantasy stuff. Yeah. I think I think it does some interesting stuff with like its villain's motivation and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like and I think it's for a, a final fantasy game that does go, you know, really quite somewhere. It feels like it properly wraps up and it's got a hold of what it's doing. What I will say is that I think that means that it has to give way a lot of the more interesting Game of Thrones isms Mm. like all the stuff to do with global Mm. conflict and the the, the problems between each of the different houses and the more kind of interpersonal relationships do have to give way for this much more fantastical storyline and I think that's a shame I think it tries to do stuff with concepts that are a little bit more closer to home that ultimately it can't ever wrap up because yeah
2: yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of Game of Thrones like, you know, obviously the final season is um much divisive and stuff, mm-hmm. but ultimately they were they were always hinting to this huge like supernatural thing, but that wasn't the the final problem yeah. to solve, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh whereas this kind of feels like it's flipped on its head a little bit.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm 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 really enjoying this game. I I really am and like I think it's mainly maybe part of it's down to whether you can I'm not talking about you guys, but in general, people can. I think for me, the highs are so high that they. I let myself forget about those low points enough. Sure. Like the story highs and those battles and the combat, like to me, are enough to elevate it above the lows. For me, it has enough of that yeah. um, to carry it, and I. But I also can see where there are long stretches where I was definitely thinking, and people could be like. If you only have like two hours or an hour to play in the evening and all you're doing is an hour of those fetch quests, you might be like, what am I doing here?
2: I will say the, um, (laughs) I mean, there's an optimal way to play this game, right? And it's to pretty much avoid most of the side quests and just do the ones with the plus symbols on. But Mm -hmm. I was playing it like comprehensively because I was playing it to cover it for work. And the amount at one point, I was tempted to time how much time I spend in a section, just running around my the base, the hideaway, running between people because you've got go talk to this one, now go talk to this one, now go to. And I was like, so much of just travel in between them. And I think the game does a really good job of travel in the world, like getting around in the world. I think it makes it so easy to nip around the world and get where you want. But in the hideaway, it just so is such a slog.
1: I will say, it took me. Um, I probably went a few more hours than I should have without uh, knowing you can ride a Chocobo so I won't oh, say that oh shit yeah no, you used... see that in trailer light. that's a good tip to people yeah. if you see a plus symbol in Martha's Rest do that as soon as you can because yeah. that will help
2: I would <laughs> also say um, there's a lot of areas you can see on maps where there's um like there's a slow fade off and you can see oh I've got to reveal some mm-hmm. of the map there nine percent of the time they're tied to like side quests or hunts, which most yeah. of the hunts don't become available till right near the end of the game anyway. So I'd say don't worry about it too much because there's usually not much down there until you're tasked to go
3: down. There. Yeah, I mean, the actual level, I think the level design is quite poor in a lot of time in a lot of the instances on here. And part of that is because it likes to have the illusion of having it's not open world, but it has these much larger maps that are designed to be run around. There's nothing in them for to do. They might as well, realistically, what they are are big flat environments yeah. with with some texture over the top of it to make it feel like you're going through fairly generic fantasy landscapes. Um, I actually think this game is, is much better when it's really got a, a, a chain around your neck and it's forcing you to go down its main paths. And even then I've got some slight grievances with the fact that quite often that is cut scene walk down straight area fight some things mm-hmm. into cutscene. yeah um and in that way i do feel that after final fantasy 15 which obviously is largely considered a bit of kind of like a low point um it feels like they couldn't do they felt like they'd fucked up an open world and so to compensate they massively reversed on what their like actual concentrated design system was And ended up in Final Fantasy XIII, which I don't think is the place to end, unfortunately. It Mm -hmm. feels like
2: they definitely... Yeah, they ended up... Like, the first, I don't know, five hours of the game is Final Fantasy XIII in terms Mm -hmm. of how maps work. Like... um, it definitely feels like they got to the bigger areas what Final Fantasy Thirteen has in the like little final third mm-hmm. of the game a lot quicker. However, I still felt it t- took too long, and there were several times where it'd invite me to look at the map, and I'd look at the map, and I was like, "This is just a straight line." Like, yeah. mm-hmm. it takes too long to get to the big open sections. I think.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: and, and anyway. I think it doesn't use those big open sections very well. It feels like it's stuck in a bit of a weird kind of position mm. for it, and there is a lot about this game that i that i think is really good uh, but that's primarily story and character and combat based and in many ways kind of like i enjoyed this almost as a television show where i could fight the mm. enemies in it more mm-hmm. than i did actually as an rpg
1: yeah well anyway there we go there's that's a good chunk of Final Fantasy i'm sure we'll talk about this game again but as usual our job to uh Bring a, a game that's probably sitting around a 90 or May create down to a 75 if you just listen to this <laughs> podcast. So,
2: what do you you uh, I totally want to do a spoiler cast, by the way. So maybe not a whole episode, or, but just like... Yeah, we can do seconds. a
1: little post chat in a week or two yeah, when yeah, we're yeah, I think next so. on or whatever. Totally um, but yeah, we can do that. Um, but yeah, hopefully I'll be finishing it tonight so I can talk all about it to you guys, but not to the people listening. Um, Secret Invasion map. That's the new Marvel show. I haven't watched it yet. Um, I will do. Only you've watched it so far out of the three of us. But you've mm-hmm. seen the first two episodes. Because <laughs> you're a greedy little boy, aren't you? <laughs> greedy?
3: Just... Is that what yeah. doing my job is? No, no, no. <laughs> you greedy like, let me my wages. See too. <laughs> let
1: me see, Let me see them both. Um, what do you think of Secret Invasion? Is it... I had hopes that this could be... Not a restart, because I'm, I'm steadily falling out of love with the MCU now. Mm-hmm. But I feel, I felt like this would be one... Maybe I could get back into if it had that sort of Winter Soldier vibes going on.
3: Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale.
0: You can eat it. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is
2: the story of Harry Dalowitz, and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
0: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Does it?
3: It's it's definitely got Winter Soldier vibes. Um, It feels very much of a piece with Winter Soldier Civil War and Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh-huh. um and <laughs> it has quite a lot of Falcon and the Winter Soldier in it which already is why you know one of those shows which I really <laughs> liked what it was going for to begin with and and it just fell apart at the yeah. end and so I'm a little bit more uh cautious Wary? about where yeah. we're going with this one but essentially Secret Invasion is the story Nick Fury is our main character in in this one, and basically it's set it's set in the modern day MCU, but it is it looks a lot back at the events of Captain Marvel, in which obviously Nick Fury kind of like the discovery in Captain Marvel of the idea that the Skrulls weren't necessarily the bad guys; they were kind of an a refugee sort of race looking for somewhere to hide out, and Fury essentially offered them right, you can come and stay with me on Earth, and if you act as my spies and my kind of intelligence network i will eventually find you a home secret invasion is the concept of well those guys have been sat on our planet for what 20 30 years at this point and fury's kind of like not really fulfilled his promise on that he's been too busy dealing with (laughs) an awful lot of other things and a fragment of those refugee scrolls have created the secret invasion, which is they're they're kind of worming their way into, invasion politics. of the body snatchers. <laughs> yeah, very much invasion of the body snatchers is what this is. Um, it's not a lot like the comics. There's no real superheroes in this, so the the whole jive is not. Oh my god, kind of like Ant Man yeah. is actually a, a scroll. It, it's not really yeah. doing that. It's much more of that kind of. It wants to be that Cold War style thriller. But the idea is is like, oh my God, could the President of the United States be a scroll? who Who in the government are scrolls? Um, and kind of like the opening of it kind of deals with the fact that there's kind of like the scrolls are doing terrorist attacks to kind of try and cause different nations to come into conflict, and they're gonna use that conflict. As kind of like so, cover,
1: I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit
3: like. Doesn't this undo all the work they did in Captain Marvel to set the scrolls up as not the bad guys? So it's not all the scrolls. So the there's okay. a kind of interesting triangle that's at the center of it. So what you've got is you've got a character called Gravik who is the scroll that is leading this secret invasion. Um, mm-hmm. Who so far we we know what his deal is, and we've seen a little bit of him in episode two. But overall, he's quite a a one note kind of steely villain at the moment who has reasons, I guess, for not once, you know, he, he has been stuck on this planet for a very long time <laughs> and not getting a new home. But then obviously on the other side, you've got Talos, who is, you know, Ben Mendelssohn's kind of character that's been around the MCU for a while now. He's working with Fury, right? He doesn't want this to happen. And it's like, this is reflecting very poorly on my people. In the middle of that, you've got Gaia, who is Amelia Clark's character, who is Talos's daughter, and she's kind of torn between the two perspectives. It's like we're fed up, we want a home, we were promised mm-hmm. a home and we haven't got it. Um, but she also understands her father's kind of perspective on this. And I think she, you know, I think Amelia Clark has always been pretty good. Like I like her in Game of Thrones. I think she's got the potential here. She's quite good in the first episode, and then kind of stands as a bit of a bystander in the second one. So I'm still waiting for her to be the person that creates like this emotional layering that will make this feel worthwhile. Because outside of that, I don't actually think it's as exciting as it needs to be. So this is a paranoid thriller without necessarily any of the paranoia because quite a lot of the main cast are scrolls. They're already straight up, we know that they're scrolls and there's not that many human characters that could turn out to be scrolls which is what the comic relies on the comic relies on the surprise of like holy shit you're a scroll as well so this one i think is just more about like just dealing with that storyline about the fact that like all of these people that aren't necessarily characters but are world figures could turn out to be scrolls and so the storyline really needs to build around that kind of tr- trilogy between kind of gaia being pulled between the the kind of like freedom fighter slash terrorism side of the scrolls and the the more peaceful ones. We're not far enough in for me to know where that's going with that, but I hope that it can build interesting emotion around that. Um but so far we're not at that. Um yeah. I do think Nick Fury's quite like Sam Samuel L. Jackson's always good, right? Like, and I think he's good as Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. And this is a Nick Fury that's post he got snapped out in the blip, right? And so yeah. he's dealing with this whole idea of like, fuck, like, maybe I'm completely powerless. Mate, what, what, what's the point, right? If I mm-hmm. can't save, you know, if I'm the supposed to be the first line of defense for humanity, along with all of these superheroes I put together, and even I can just be blipped out of existence. So he's struggling so with that, which I it's think is... an interesting
1: is- parallel to the real world MCU, where if Nick Fury can't bring it all back, then... Who can?
3: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so I find it interesting that like he's got some depth there, which I hope that they carry on exploring. Um but at the moment I don't generally find it truly exciting. I think it's Mm -hmm. interesting, and it having that Winter Soldier tone is one of my favourite tones in the MCU. It's got straight out of the Russo's playbook in the way that everything looks, has is filmed in that very kind of gritty matte look to all the shots which compared to you know your likes of your very CGI heavy you know multiverse of madness and guardians and stuff like that it's got a, a, a genuine style that hints to the tone what this is going to do i think part of my problem is that a lot of this storyline is just falcon and the winter soldier like that was about a group of terrorists that were struggling in the aftermath of the blip had been displaced by the fact that everybody came home and it meant that they didn't have their home anymore and were striking back at a government out of anger, right? Like you knew where they were coming from. And it struggled to kind of really genuinely humanize those characters and create a sympathetic story for them, even though the storyline was Mm -hmm. on paper sympathetic, I think there are all of these problems that that it's going to face that I don't know yet whether it's going to be successful with that.
1: Well, I think it's only what? It's only six episodes, and Mm -hmm. a lot of this sort of a paranoid thriller is in the payoff. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. like,
3: if it can build and build and then has a good ending, then it's It's in the build, though, right? Like, the payoff Mm -hmm. doesn't get created if the build... And I don't think the build is there in the first two episodes because what this should be is it should be John Carpenter's The Thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it should be John Carpenter's The Thing set in parliaments and the pentagon and all of that and i'm not getting that there's no fuck it could be anyone because so yeah, yeah. many of them already are yeah
1: well i would be interested i've got i
3: i have to watch mm-hmm.
1: the episodes so uh yeah sorry yeah, i'm making you review the third one. episode it's definitely the
3: it's not bad well, it's, well, you gave it a seven yeah so yeah like, i i think i think it's good like it ticks along it's it's an interesting show it's just not exciting yeah. or paranoid enough to really go in, I, I, I enjoyed it more than I'm enjoying it more than yeah. I enjoyed Moon Knight. I'm enjoying it more than I enjoyed She Hulk. Mm-hmm. Enjoying it more than I enjoyed Ms. Marvel. But is that because it's pulling on the sources that I like? Because it's pulling on Winter Soldier. Probably, so, probably. more that than anything else. And it's
1: else. not all. You know, it's going to be one show that. You'd think at least for the most part is not reliant on big CGI
3: fights or like a big monster to turn up. I mean, there's but not we there's can not a lot of fighting to be quite honest. And that's yeah. a part of it that I sort of like. I think, you know, one of its best elements is the fact that it brings MI six into it for the first time, mm-hmm. and the MI six agent is played by Olivia Coleman, who is fucking incredible in this. She is I mean, she's racist, really good. She? Because she's basically what if your mum was a psychotic spy? <laughs> um like <laughs> the, all been the there. there's a there's a bit in the second episode you know i won't spoil what it revolves around but she's involved in a torture sequence a the most graphic thing i think i've ever seen in the mcu but B, there's just a bit where she hands her phone over to another character. And like her phone is in that like wallet style that every mum I've ever known has <laughs> yes, got it my in. My mum's got that, yes. And yeah. <laughs> uh, the way that she presents it, and she's got this very chirpy voice, and she's really into going around and doing some very nasty things to all of these people. <laughs> and that is the comic almost i'd say comic relief side of it but relief kind of doesn't, you know, misjudgement on what she is she is a main character and i like it that it's just a bit more unhinged than a lot of the traditional comedy characters in in she's these.
1: a scroll isn't she i don't think
3: she is that's that's Ooh, my take well, on that's it that's going to that'll be the interesting she's one that? of the very few characters that could be a scroll i suppose because yeah. she's projected as a human at the start yeah. um yeah there's uh, in, in episode two there's also some stuff that suggests that it's more about the dramatic irony than the big twists like it presents things that you as an audience know but the characters don't and so maybe that's where it builds its tension and i hope that it does because secret invasion as a concept is cool and i hope that it does something good with it but just at the moment it's just like yeah it's it, it, it's okay like it's it's mm-hmm. decent but it's not what i think it could be yeah I, I am actually
1: genuinely. I just haven't got around to watching it. I am intrigued to watch it, so I I, I am into that vibe, and I do love a good paranoia thriller. So yeah, I'm I'm going to watch it. Um, let's 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 move on to something else. Let's bring back a segment we probably haven't done in nearly a decade. I don't think we've done it since I was
2: even on the podcast. I don't remember so, ever doing it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I remember.
1: Like, oh, there we go. Trailer
2: of the week. <laughs> where did you get like? I don't know. Where did that come from? Like, I don't know. I was just thinking. That's in the days of like when Alex and Kilby like and first started. Tilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Maybe. I don't know where it just sprung up back in my head. I think it's mainly because we've been fil- like two weeks full of trailers and we don't have time to speak with them all. So we're just going to pick out either a game or a film or a TV trailer. We just want to briefly mention you should check out for various different reasons, let's say, because they're not always our favourite of the week. Um, we had Nintendo Direct this week. We don't have time- much time to speak about much of it. But I think the headline was it the headline? it should be a headline a new mario game is always a headline isn't it so dale you've gone with super mario brothers wonder
2: yeah so i mean i'm a sucker for a mario game anyway uh but this one um a nice like i mean is it it didn't look that exciting at first i guess because it's a it's another 2d platform mario game however that still feels me excited excitement it was the last like 10 seconds that changed the, the game <laughs> when we saw mario getting a power-up that turns him into elephant mario and i was like hello what are we doing here i'm hoping it i'm hoping it goes mario odyssey style where there's just like insane amounts of uh, animals or things that you can transform mm-hmm. into and it's not just like oh it's just it's the new uh, uh, raccoon or something see, like, yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh so um yeah i'm very excited also uh Coincidentally, my wife never shows much of an interest in games at all. However, I was playing, what was I playing on Switch recently? It would be Zelda. Mm. I was playing a lot and she said, she's like, maybe I'd like to play a game on there. And I was like, well, what sort of game would you like to play? And she's like, I don't know. One's like I used to like, like Crash and Spyro and stuff. And I was like, Mm -hmm. a Mario game then. This one looks looks like it could be perfect. I think 3D1 is too much of a... Maybe. Yeah, I think a 2D1's a nice baby step, I think. Yeah. So yeah, Um, I'm very excited.
1: What other animal, pick one animal you want. Giraffe, Mario I want to marry a dr- Mario giraffe. giraffe. Be Octopus. Be helpful. Helpful.
3: Oh, like, like being able to just beat, beat back a load of, you know, monsters. My mind cumbers. just went
1: straight to pig. I don't know why. Gorilla yeah. would
2: be good as well. Like you, you want the, the animal yield to have some sort of special ability that you can only do certain things. Like a gorilla one would be like there's a rock that you need to smash through. Mm-hmm. Isn't something. that
1: just him turning into Donkey Kong?
2: Yeah, but so what? <laughs> that'd be fun if he just looked like
1: donkey kong as well that'd be good had a little like yeah. we had the tie and it Negative said Ma- m on tie, the tie yeah.
2: instead of dk on the tie yeah yeah, yeah yeah,
1: that'd be good um my trailer of the week much more highbrow uh luca guadagnino's new film Challengers, looks very fun uh i'm a sucker for a sports drama film and this is a romantic sports drama comedy apparently uh, I didn't see much comedy in the trailer, but I think there might be some. It stars Zendaya, who I will watch in anything. I think she's unbelievable. Also, Mike Feist from uh, West Side Story, if anyone watched it. I like him a lot. But yeah, I'm always a sucker for a new Luca film. I like the vibe of the trailer a lot. And yeah, looks good.
2: Do you think those two have ever been spoken about in the same uh, <laughs> segment before?
1: Who, Super Mario and Zendaya?
2: Or? No, the, two, the film and the game. <laughs>
1: Well oh, right, Mario and Challengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not until we're now, but uh, you know, there's a first time for everything. Check out the trailer for challenges. Let's let's get everyone watching a a tennis it's like a tennis three way love affair film by the look of it. Looks oh. like good fun. Okay. Check it out. Uh Zendaya seems to break a n leg in the trailer, so hey, the last that.
2: tennis film I saw was great, King Richard.
1: I still haven't seen King Richard. Oh, it's really good. But you're yeah. a huge Will Smith fan, aren't you and everything he does? Am
2: I? <laughs> Yeah, i was in the 90s to be fair i loved all his, love his films except for wild west obviously but I yeah, loved you all think it, he's a big hit um, yeah, he definitely delivers a big hit every now and again yeah. um, <laughs>
1: dated, dated. matt you just couldn't be more pumped for craven the hunter is that right
3: <laughs> 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 i like every time the sony spider verse pumps out a new trailer it's like how how could they get it so wrong <laughs> like, out. why are they still at this? It is a tragically bad looking film, isn't <sighs> it? This, this is proper, kind of like, turn of the millennium uh, style superhero yeah. film creation, I isn't think it? We
1: mentioned it. It's like Halle Berry Catwoman level, this looks yeah. like. Like, he turns into Craven, it looks like, by being bitten by a lion. It's not and by then bitten, having it's the, the blood dropped into blood. It. No, sorry, yeah. transfused. Yeah. yeah, not bitten.
2: Um, wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the say something about the trailer. I genuinely believe this trailer looks like it's cut by people who think this is a really good trailer Mm -hmm. because it's like so action heavy. So all like Mm -hmm. you've definitely seen all the big sequences in this film in this trailer. And they're like, this will really bring people around. And what it just looks like is noise and just not that compelling
0: it
3: also just entirely feels like it's been made by someone that's not got a fucking clue who Craven the Hunter is. No, it like, doesn't feel like that
2: character at all. You know
3: you know when when they did the Spider-Man 2 trailer the the other week for for the game. Mm. And that opens with what felt like a really cool like modern interpretation of what Craven is and that whole idea of like learning about the spider in New York and it's like I'm going to go because Fundamentally, Craven the Hunter is largely interesting because he's Spider-Man's one of Spider-Man's yeah. nemesis, right?
2: He's a hunter and he's going yeah. after the biggest game he can find, which is exactly. Spider-Man. You exactly. take that out of the equation, what have you got? <laughs> well, what well,
3: you it think? looks like rhinos in it. <laughs> oh, <fucking Christ. laughs> but yeah, th- this whole idea of like Craven being this kind of like central figure, where they obviously. Like, one of the things about Craven is is that he's, like, obsessed with killing his prey with his own hands. Like, that's his deal. It's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to take it down, you know, myself. He doesn't like using bows and arrows and stuff like that. And he's got, like, a crossbow in there shooting someone. Which feels to me very much like, oh, we're we're making a proper R-rated superhero film because that's what people want. Mm. Say. No, not really. There are some heroes that suit the R rating, which is your Punishers, your Logans and stuff like that. And then there are just a load of ones which are... He's a camp character. He's a man that dresses and He's a him. villain. Like, they seem to be
1: presenting him as some sort of hero. But he's like, it's like an I'm anti-hero quite in this, isn't it? It's, like, I... it's just, didn't they learn from
3: Morbius? Like, obviously, obviously or venom like mm, yeah. I know there are people that love venom and I understand <laughs> the kind of like incredibly daftness about mm. venom some people are on board with I am not this just looks like a continual going down that well and just making this isn't as like clearly knowingly camp at least not from the trailer it thinks that it's badass and cool mm. but it looks like what people thought badass and cool was in 2003. Yeah. Well, they- Russell Crowe's his dad. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is that accent, man?
2: <laughs> you said they didn't learn anything from Morbius. It like that was plainly obvious when that film came out because mm-hmm. they re-released it because a meme taking yeah. the piss yeah. out of it became popular. They don't understand their audience. It's clear.
3: So like they, they don't, don't understand everyone. the audience. They don't understand what the comics that they're ad- adapting. Yeah, they're so desperate to make what they own of Spider-Man work on its own, and it's just like these characters are compelling because they're part of the wider um, Spider-Man universe, right? In the kind of like... Imagine if they... I mean, they are doing, aren't they? Just a Penguin TV show. But at least that (laughs) Penguin TV show is anchored in the Batman. yeah, And it's a wider sort of thing you can't do these characters because the most interesting thing about them is how do they deal with Spider-Man and how does Spider-Man deal with Mm them? Yeah, absolutely.
2: It's their relationship that is the the interesting part.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't think
1: we'd be talking that much about Kraven, but there we go. Uh, Don't go see Craven. go see Challengers. Unless Craven comes out and it's amazing. Who knows? Um, Who (laughs) knows? Um, Let's do a very quick endless search because it's been a a few weeks. I've got a little
2: quick one ready. Let's do it. Inside it's a UK Ajay and crew Yeah yeah, yeah and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got question for you. Hold at the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got question for you.
1: Is it in the search? I'm bringing back a little IMDB game. Little, little, little fun, little guessing game here. I've got five questions here for you. I just want you to—they're going to be give me the highest or lowest rated IMDb scoring for film while. for each of these. do You know what?
2: I really thought it was going to be that game where you like you have to guess the four that's on the front of the page because I've not played that game yet. And I don't uh, want to play.
1: You that want pl- well, p- next time you're on Dale, yeah. we'll get you to play it. How about that? Um, I've just got five topics here, loosely related to some things that we've been talking about. Um, Black Mirror is back. We were going to speak about Black Mirror. We'll do that another time because we've only watched about two between us. But uh, one of them I watched was good. One of them wasn't. <laughs> uh, but first, I just want you, on IMDb each, just give me what you think is the highest rated Black Mirror episode on IMDb. What do you think has the highest score? Uh, Sanchez um, and This is my <laughs> answer. Whoa, I was, going I, to mean, say, I was going to say Matt can go first anyway. That, I mean, that
2: is the answer in it, but I'm going to say... Is it, though? You don't ooh. know it is. Okay, uh, sh- I'm terrible with the names, but Shut Up and Dance is the name, right? That's the name of the episode, is it?
1: That is yeah. indeed. Um, I should load this up. Just give me two seconds to load this up. Da, da, da. My reasoning
3: being is San Junipero was the one that really felt like it broke out beyond Black Mirror and yeah. was so universally loved. Mm-hmm. So San
1: Junipero is an 8.6 okay. and the third highest rated oh, really, oh, Black Mirror episode. Sorry, what one did you go for again? Sure, Shut I'm up bats. and dance. That's an eight point four, Dell. I'm afraid it's the seventh highest read. There ah, are what is two the highest. Up, so at two is
3: Hang the DJ at eight point seven, oh, which I just surprising. think is a poor man's version of. I San mean, Gina I Perry. like Hang the DJ. I think I like yeah. it more than a lot of people. But when I say that, it's because I thought most people thought it was the crap version of San Junipero. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and number one with a huge nine point one.
1: Is White Christmas the John Ham oh. one? Oh, people love that one. I
3: never, I was never that bothered by that one.
1: Yes. Uh, people okay. really love that one. Yeah,
3: interesting. But there we go. Do you think that's because it being like a Christmas special, it maybe had more critical maybe. kind of like? I don't know intention? if that's maybe I'm being ignorant
1: or misremembering. I feel like that's the first one that broke into the US because it had John Ham in it. Possibly,
3: yeah. And it was still a that Channel a Four thing. one. What it was the last Channel yeah. Four one? I think. I think so. Yeah. Did
2: like? I've only watched one episode this season, so I can't really comment on the other four. Mm. But. You, like i wish it was still british you know like I wish, <laughs> just, no, but i like um, i know what you mean i like i liked it when it was like like there's one episode and um, the one when he's controlling the ca- cartoon character and he becomes goes mm-hmm. up for elections and stuff
3: and that's it's all the worst sh-
1: that, i think that's the worst episode is it the <laughs> effect, <laughs> i can't remember uh, um
2: but it's all shot in high wickham and mm-hmm. it all just feels very <laughs> familiar to me and i like it that it's all yeah. it's got this british charm so to i will it. say
1: I've watched the first two episodes. The first one I wasn't that keen on. The second one called Lock Henry is set in Scotland oh, and it's God. a mainly Scottish cast, and I think that one's really good. Okay, and it's good.
3: proper like grim, dark. See that's the um, thing. Black Mirror. I think the British sense of humour fits in with the griminess, and also we've got like mm-hmm. such a rich history of grimy kind of dramas and, and, yeah. and stories that it yeah. it feels inherently british yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. really good it's really clever it kind of plays on the Netflixication
1: of true crime mm-hmm. which is Ooh, really that's
3: that, that i i i yeah. fucking like hate the obsession with true crime so that yeah. sounds like it's my <laughs> yeah. lock henry my check
1: i've only watched those two but that that one was really i'm gonna watch
2: all. that one tonight i think that sounds interesting it's only like 50
1: minutes as well so yeah, check that out. Check out Locker. Anyway, that's 1 nil to who was it? Matt. Matt. Good, I'm Whee! keeping the
0: score.
1: Uh, right, next, I want you to give me, you know, Final Fantasy has a character called Clive in it. And do you know what? Isn't a stupid name at all. Um, is a good name, and it works in the story. You, you forget about it quickly. I want you to give me the lowest IMDb Clive Owen film you can think of.
2: Oh, my God.
1: He's got some bad ones, but he's got, he's got some good ones, but he's got some bad ones.
2: I genuinely can only think of the good ones, though. Yeah. That's the problem. I can't think of him being in bad films. Oh, he's in some. <laughs> oh, he's uh, in some. And the only one I could come to mind, and I thought it was okay, but it's silly, so I can imagine a lot of people hating it, is Shoot em Up. Shoot em up. I watched that film so much when I was, like, 13, <laughs> 14. I must
1: have been older, actually, 15 when it came out, so... I just remember it's got Paul Giamatti. Is he's it, the main uh, villain. Paul Giamatti, yeah, yeah he's the yeah. villain. And Clyburn's just eating carrots the whole Doesn't time. Doesn't he, like, shoot carrots at one point? Or I think like, he might shoot a yeah. carrot. Is yeah. that how he kills Paul Giamatti? Maybe. Spoilers for shoot him up. I think he I might watched shoot it a once carrot. Food this instead. is very silly. But yeah. yeah. Um uh, I think it's got like, oh yeah, I'm not going to go into that film. Uh, but okay, what are you going with, Matt? What yeah, like all... We all,
3: I lo- remember a low scorer. Yeah, I'm just thinking of all things like Children and Men, which obviously is an outstanding yeah. film. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah. He might not be in this, but I'm going to take the risk. Was he in Sin City 2? He is in is he? Sin City 1, isn't he? Yeah. Is he's, he's in, in, in Sin City, City 1, but I couldn't he's remember if he's in City 2. two. No. Because someone has their face changed, and it might be Clive Owen's character. Hmm. Well,
1: maybe
3: I think it's Clive Owen's character
1: that has his face changed. Right. Unfortunately, are we gonna a while week? And we, we say it's an automatic fail, or yeah, I are you guess getting so. Another? Yeah, because
3: I can't. I can't think of anything that be Okay. For some um, reason, I've got him like conflated with Colin Farrell in my head. Yeah. So I was just mm. going to things like phone booth. No, he's not in that. I like <laughs> Is he booth. in SWAT? <laughs> no, he's not in SWAT. <laughs>
1: He's been in some some bad one. Like I don't to be fair, I don't know what I would have I would have gone for to be to be quite honest. But uh, there you go. Um well I mean Dale Wins. It was fault, a six point six <laughs> <fault. Do> you... <laughs> shoot him up to six point six, oh, which okay. is you know not you know, not terrible. That's one all okay, let's go on to the third one. Next week, there's a new Indiana Jones film coming out starring a Mr. Harrison Ford. Just give me the highest rated Harrison Ford film you think strikes back. I mean, you are meant to take turn, but we're just, if you, we're just doing shout out now. Who yeah. goes first? Right. Okay. okay,
2: sorry. There's, Who were you get? Whose turn was it actually? First?
1: I mean, it was Matt's turn. Okay, but, but you know, then who's I mean, to say that Empire
3: Strikes Back is? I mean, the top honestly,
2: 9? when I said it out loud, afterwards, I was like, oh, maybe it's not.
3: I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's Raiders. Yeah, I mean, Raiders is so beloved. Air and Force One.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Empire Strikes Back is an eight point seven. Raiders. how is it not higher
3: because
2: it's not that good what are you talking about (laughs) it's fine it's fine I I, I, I would watch I would watch Empire
3: Strikes Back over Raiders
2: yeah Indiana Jones doesn't do anything for me, mate. I i,
3: I, I tell you what, Raiders. I'll, I'll give you this code Raiders is better shot. It's a beautifully shot film, and some of the shadow work in it is phenomenal, but Empire it's is so a more compelling story yeah, yeah. Raiders is one of the best films i ever made. <laughs> um,
1: is that the, I'm trying to think, is there a way highest rated. I actually thought Blade Runner 2049 might be there. Oh, but, yeah. I'm going to quickly search this. Or maybe the original Blade Runner might be there. Da, da, da. What the critic
2: do the critics review pull from when it first released, or are they like legacy? I don't because think this is IMDB's not critics, is it? It's just people Oh user rated okay, right. Oh because I was yeah. gonna say like when Blade Runner came out, didn't it, wasn't it like universal yeah, was... not liked?
1: Mm. Took a while, didn't it, for yeah. everyone uh, to come around? To now. be fair, I think Empire was number one. Then it was Star Wars Raiders. Nice. Uh, so there you go. How's the fugitive only got a seven point eight? What are we doing? <laughs> That's a good film ah right okay anyway let's carry on so that's two one two dale um are we just doing you shout out i'm guessing i do doing a shout out i will let matt
2: go next time
1: okay um secret invasion is out i want who you think's the lowest rated mcu
3: show oh show okay um what if what if
2: i'm gonna say she-hulk Ooh, She-Hulk. Um, uh, uh, yeah,
1: I've said it. Now. You've, not, you've said <laughs> it now. What if it's a seven point four on IMDb? She-Hulk. I mean, some of them were a seven point four. Not many of them were. <laughs> She-Hulk, and who knows? Maybe it was review bombed. Who knows? She-Hulk's a five point three. Yeah. Um, so that was my, my other thought was Miss Marvel. I didn't enjoy review- She-Hulk, bombing but maybe? I don't yeah. think it's that bad. Yeah. But uh, there we go. That's that's 3-1 to Dale. So he has won the game, but there's still time for one more. I don't know about you, I'm still mourning the loss of Succession. Yep. I still quite think about it quite regularly. I might rewatch that last episode again. Uh Ooh. I just can't get enough. But I just want any the highest rated film of anyone that was in Succession that they've been in. Anyone that's in Succession a film they have been in.
2: Uh, I've, oh, yeah, so is it me it first? Dale verse, yeah. Okay, uh, so, um, the big short has Jeremy. That would have been that would have been my yeah. answer. I did want to say, actually, I won't say because it, it might give Matt a hint. Actually, no, mm-hmm. we, we, I've won anyway. So, if I was going to say know, Scott Jer- Pilgrim Jer- for, um, what's his face? Oh, uh, uh, Kieran uh, Corkin. Yeah, Corcoran, yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. um, yeah, if people didn't know, Big, Big Jezza is in a. In The Big Short.
3: Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for something slightly more unusual. I'm going to say Brian Cox in Manhunter.
1: Oh, interesting. That's a good shout. That's a very good shout. Um, The Big Short.
2: It's only a 7.8. What? Is it? TV. That is like a 10 out of 10 film. So
1: do you know that the weird... Like... I think I've said this before. The first time I watched this film, I didn't really like it. Wow. I've watched it about nine times yeah. since and I love it. It's like one of my favourite no films No exaggeration. At least a dozen times I've seen that film.
2: And so much so now when I put it on... The wife is like, "Are you watching this again?" This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so good.
1: Uh, Seven point eight. Manhunter. Seven point two. Oh, it's a good film. It's a yes. good film. Um, I think I spoke about before how bizarre the end credits of that film is. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, four one to Dale. Sorry, Matt. You've lost this one. That's all right. You'll be back better than ever, I'm sure. Um, do you know what's back and better than ever? Feedback. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com we put out loads of topics I think like physical game hacks was one of them uh, a pizza chat keeps rolling in but first we've got one that
3: you're going to read out Matt yeah this one's from Andrew Priest, who says hi IGN team hope all is well on the last podcast there was talk of game hacks particularly in Gran Turismo which I totally did too reminded me of a glorious game hack going back to the late 1990s the gaming question was back in the day a great game called International Track and Field, mm-hmm. which for anyone that doesn't know, uh, who doesn't know the game, was basically the Olympic Games. From memory, it wasn't an easy game at all and a real challenge to win any of the events. That was until the rapid fire PS One controllers were invented. <laughs> and if you don't remember these pads, they basically had a switch on the controller that, when switched on, would press a button faster than any human digit could Bad. possibly achieve. <laughs> It was an absolute game changer. You should have seen my character at the 100 metre sprint. Had it been real life, he would definitely have been dragged before the IOC anti-doping committee and been appropriately banned from all events and stripped of any previous accolades. Keep up the good work and welcome to Wes.
2: Definitely related to this. I played
3: track and field on the
1: NES. And yeah, that when I was like, I don't know, five or six, and that hurt my little fingers. Yeah. I've got vivid
2: that. memories of sitting around friends' house and people taking their turns and they would all be sitting down to play it, but they would stand up because they're trying to smash the buttons <laughs> so quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bring um, back
1: ca- bring back track and field. What was
2: everyone like that? Was it California Games or something like that? Oh, I can't remember now. But there was lots of those sort of the games around
1: yeah. at that point. Basically the whole game was how fast can you mash these yeah. two buttons <laughs> alternately? Like that was the whole game. And and people yeah. think that retro games are so much better than what we have today. <laughs> <did. laughs> exactly. Um, Dale, you've got one along along a very similar line. I
2: haven't read it yet. uh, This is from Matt Spencer. He says, Hi, Matt here from Sydney. And although I grew up in Essex, I have been an avid... Although I grew up in Essex, I have been an avid gamer since the beginning. I don't know.
1: Okay, anyway. It's because he's from Sydney, although he grew up in Essex. Oh, Essex. Essex And have been.
2: Yes, there we go. Uh, I just listened to the recent podcast about physical game cheats and it sparked a memory all the way back to the mid 80s When I was a young lad, I'd walk up to the local video shop. I must have only been about 10, so this was obviously before any bad people existed (laughs) and kids could roam free, uh, to play the arcade version of track and field uh back in the 80s cfc's didn't exist yet either so aerosol cans were all the rage being only 10 i could comfortably fit my hand inside the lid of a can of shaving foam and found that it performed a kind of wanking motion rubbing the lid repeatedly back and forth over the run buttons i could comfortably (laughs) achieve a sub six second hundred meter dash (laughs) what okay um (laughs) It's only now, since you've stirred up this memory, that I've searched the internet to see if anyone else might have done the same, and I am yet to find any evidence. <laughs> in fact, the best time I could find was eight point five seconds, so I could, in fact, be the holder of a forty-year-old world record. I think it's safe to assume so.
1: There we go. That's that? going to some some lengths to bringing shaving to bringing right? shaving, shaving foam to the arcade. <laughs> two two different ways people have hacked track and field there Uh, the ultimate (laughs) hackable game question (laughs) mark I don't know Uh, good stuff iGen underscore UK feedback at iGen.com if you've um, cheated track and field in any way not actually in real life you know like you put rocket shoes on and ran at your school sports day or something but you know it might have happened anyway should I just read an email Uh, I've got one (laughs) here from Luke Hudson who says hello iGen UK podcast team hello got <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, just channeling Luke there. Uh, got feedback relating to last week's film judgments. Here we go. I'm sure much to Cadre's Cardry can't even say my own name. I'm sure <laughs> much to Cardi's hate. I don't refer to myself in like by my surname. I'm sure much to Simon's hatred. I saw someone. I am someone who doesn't really rate Jaws. Mm-hmm.
2: That's fine.
1: <sighs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I saw it for the first time a few years ago and didn't enjoy its slow pace. It's not slow. Uh, come on. An invisible monster. Oh, mate. A- come on. Can appreciate its place in film history as its iconic quotes characters are parodied and copied in modern films. It's a very good film. I like it a lot. That's all. That's I that's would say the we'll problem
2: say. there is like, you didn't see the you've seen all the copies before you saw the originator you know and yeah then, then its power is lost when you it doesn't seem new to you well but mm-hmm. uh, when it came out it was like revolutionary
1: jaws is just like a sub a, like i'll probably watch it like in the next couple of weeks it's a summer like vibe for me it's just that film feels like it's hard to say like because this is it's all about the start of the summer holidays right it feels mm-hmm. like warm and just like i don't know it's just like a comfort watch every summer for me that's not you know comforting but you know uh God, I love that film. Anyway, Luke has a question. On to my question related to this. Are there any films or TV series you've seen parts of or even finished without seeing earlier films in the franchise or seeing the earlier films and not seeing the final film? I've been judged pure, bleh, I've been judged poorly for seeing Lord of the Rings 1 and 2 but not the <laughs> third one and Harry Potter 1, 2 and 7 part 2.
2: That's going to like <laughs>
1: Also seeing the final episode of Breaking Bad seems to get me a lot of dirty looks. I'm assuming that's only ever seeing the final episode yeah. of Break because that would be mad. Uh, love the podcast and have the deepest respect for the sea. I much like Graham ass
2: I can uh, see like why he might have jumped like the Harry Potter thing and the Breaking Bad thing. It might just be to see what the fuss is like, see what the ending was, so we like part of the conversation. I could get it with Harry
1: Potter. Yeah,
2: just watching the last episode of Breaking Bad.
1: I don't think you. But it might have been much, like, say so you... f-
2: for example, when that happened, I, I uh, we had a party and we had like fifteen people round watching it. Could have been in one of those situations. Yeah. Why haven't you finished Lord of
3: the Rings, Luke? <laughs> I mean, maybe he doesn't like it. I mean, yeah, yeah, you, actually, true. Yeah. not like kind it, of Watching fair. the first two, like watching the first, saying like it's not for me, but everyone says it's great, yeah. so I'll give the second one a we go. Need, and I, then just I, need not it. I need that extra. I need that extra.
2: I've got a confession. Oh no. I've never seen Godfather Part 3.
3: Neither have I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: but only uh, because I watched them so many years later and the narrative was, three's not very good. And I watched 1 and 2 and I was like, ah, it's, I don't need it's,
1: to watch 3 though. Oh, know Joe, I need to watch, they re-released the Coda version a couple of years ago, which is meant to be better. Um, yeah, like I've seen the first two, I don't know, 20 times each. But mm. yeah, the f- third one, I don't have much memory of. I have seen it. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it um, does
2: complete Muggle Corleone's like, story right
1: yeah it's just i don't like for me the story could easily end with two yeah um but yeah okay and maybe one. i'll i, I want to re-watch those now <laughs> um but yeah what well, if i i do know i think it was one of my aunts i once was speaking to and it was they'd only they'd just talk about a good book they'd read this was years ago um, and they'd only read, you'd, you can relate to this one, Max. I don't think Dale's read them. They'd only read the Amber Spyglass in the, uh, his Dark Materials. They how didn't realize confusing. it was a trilogy.
3: How confusing. They just would started that be? with that.
1: I don't know how you'd. They enjoyed it, apparently. It was like, how did you know anything that was being like any <laughs> in this world was going on here? Like, um, I'm trying to think. I don't ten, I'm quite. I'm quite weird about these things. I don't jump. I have to do things from the start, or I have to like kind of finish things.
2: There's a, there's yeah. lots of uh, games. There's tons of examples of you just don't need to play. <laughs> no, Final Fantasy is a very good example. You know? Yeah, but at yeah. least
3: they're not narratively linked, yeah. right? They're they're kind of the a, a quote but unquote to, an anthology. To, if,
2: if you don't know anything about Final Fantasy and you see it on a shelf, mm-hmm. you might be put off because it says 16, and yeah. it takes you five seconds to find that out. It's but different absolutely.
1: with games, isn't it? Because some just like date badly. Like with Uncharted, like I would say to some people, like Uncharted 4 for me is the best one, and I would say just play four, but. You kinda wanna play the trilogy for the impact mm. of four mm-hmm. to be had.
2: I still I think, think. They, I still think they hold up pretty yeah. well. Like um, maybe you could watch
1: you could watch a YouTube cutscene compilation of the first one yeah. and then maybe play from two onwards.
2: You're right about the the game like film as a medium doesn't date as much, you know. It does date, I agree. Like, you know, definitely cause the guy mentioned about Jaws earlier and the slow pace of editing. That was definitely a thing. Like editing has got faster and nippier. Mm. Um, but with games, yeah, like I would never recommend anyone play Metal Gear or Metal Gear 2 and just go straight to Metal Gear Solid. You know, some people don't even do that, do yeah. they? Some people mm. go straight to like Metal Gear 3 Gear or 3. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, that's one we, I think we spoke about a few weeks ago. Yeah. I've still not properly played Metal Gear 2 and I never finished 4, but I played 1, 3 and 5. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, it's a there different vibe of games, though,
2: I guess, isn't it? It's not always just about the story. It's about game mechanics and the fun that you can have playing the game as well. Yeah, exactly.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and then, then also, again. if you work this job, you're occasionally forced to jump into things that, that you, you wouldn't normally do. So, for example, I have seen only two of the Fast and the Furious films, maybe three. I think I've seen the first one a very long time ago, yeah. but because of doing some work around it, two years ago i think i had to watch like whatever the most recent one was um i guess i had no idea what was going on for the most part in terms <laughs> of those character relationships but they're so simple that like yeah. it doesn't matter but Did- i have no intent to go back and fill in the gaps
2: didn't you watch hobson shore as well yeah but
3: yeah. That, that one felt more <laughs> detached i think right. yeah i've
2: not seen i've only ever seen the first one honestly it is on my list of uh, my, my paternity period to maybe like that and Mission Impossible two series I've uh-uh. never really bothered with you've never oh Mission, Mission I've Impossible is Impos- genuinely good I've though. seen the first three and I thought oh, three so. was I thought three was really really good and I don't know why
3: three, I never I bothered after three.
1: that so that's honest. an interesting four is so, amazing as well yeah I
3: I basically started watching Mission Impossible from four so, oh, so that's mm-hmm. the one that Brad Bird did, right? Where yeah. they're on the yeah. side of the building. The so, yeah. I have seen the first one a lot because it's one of my dad's favorite films. So, when I was a kid, I'd seen that one, mm-hmm. and then just felt no necessarily. I think it was because Brad Bird had done that fourth one, and it looked new and shiny mm-hmm. that I started from there, and I've never watched two or three.
0: Like from trash, four is when,
3: mm-hmm. two, two is
1: interesting yeah, it's trash. yeah it's not great <laughs> three i love mainly because philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman is just mm-hmm. incredible in that film four is like where they it's like the modern Bob where they're like we need the key stunt yeah we need, mm-hmm. like right. everything centered around this key stunt and yeah four five i'm not as keen on but then six is fallout right yeah. six is amazing mm-hmm. and then yeah what
2: dead recommends which is the one with so. uh henry cavill and his that's fists. fallout Okay. Right. Six. So yeah because yeah. obviously they're not numbered so i i sort of to me there's been a blur of mission impossible films for the last 10 yeah. years and i don't they really stopped know after going
1: after three on. naming them yeah but oh i love mission impossible so much can't wait two weeks away from a new mission impossible that's exciting let's do an episode all about stunts or something uh okay it's been a long podcast but it's been a fun one i'm gonna go and finish final fantasy 16 that's what I'm going to do. Later. I mean, it's the yeah, middle I was going right. to say, yeah, you're not going to do well, some work. Well, lunch is coming up. I've got an hour's lunch. I can do a bit, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, what what music are we having? Uh, it's got to be some Final Fantasy 16 music, music hasn't it? Yeah, like... Uh, the battle theme is pretty great. Yeah, I, the I
3: think good. the the one that they do when you fight the Summons where it's got like the operatic kind of thing going on in the background. Yeah. It's like properly. It's got that
2: weird major key section, though, where it just like really like changes the tone of it yeah. every time. And, and it's like that always throws I me off. That bit. I don't like that bit, but the rest really, of it I do oh, like. I love it. I also hated the music with the Titan thing because I thought it was stupid.
1: So I, like, I, kinda, I liked, because I was laughing, I was like, yeah, here we go. This is mad. <laughs> when they go full, uh, let's talk about Final Fantasy again. When it goes bonkers, I'm just into it. Just go full bonkers. Go for it. Anyway, I hope you're enjoying Final Fantasy if you're playing it. Uh, and we'll see you
2: next week. Maybe write music. in some feedback for when you finished it as well, what oh, you thought yeah, of the yeah. game. And then if we do a spoiler cast, we can read some of that yeah.
1: too. Um, maybe subject it spoilers so other yeah. people don't open it and read it.
2: Anyway. Good
1: day. Goodbye. Bye. Have a lovely time.